new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Well, if you want to address the Wisconsin situation, maybe that gets that out of the way here at the beginning. So if you have well, any- I mean, I can't hardly address the Wisconsin situation. I just got off the football field and I'm told that they have some issues up there, um, that they have some guys positive and their, their game has been canceled. So I can't talk much about what's happening at Wisconsin. I can talk about what's happening here. We just had a spirited practice, excited by playing Purdue. Uh, this week, uh, rivalry game. Um, starting to get a few guys back. I'll take your questions. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher, here with you. You heard in the open there, Lovey Smith addressing the outbreak at Wisconsin. 12 reported COVID cases out of the Badgers program. Six players, including Graham Mertz, their quarterback, two other quarterbacks as well, and six staff members, including Paul Christ, their head coach. So Wisconsin now has shut down team activities for at least the next week, it sounds like, and their game at Nebraska is canceled. Of course, this is big news for Illinois, not just because Wisconsin is in the Big Ten, and this is the Big Ten's first, you know, public here battle of trying to have a season here, uh, mid-season, uh, and having an outbreak on a team. So uh, this is big news for the Big Ten, which doesn't have a lot of wiggle room in their schedule. This game will not be made up between Wisconsin and Nebraska, but of course it's big news here because Illinois just played Wisconsin. And it sounds like Graham Mertz and some of these players might have had COVID while they were playing, even if the tests Friday or whenever they got them uh, did not come back positive. So they have had 12 people in their program since Friday test positive for COVID. Uh, but Illinois uh, it reports no new positive cases. Their team spokesman, Kent Brown, told me this morning that they have new no new cases. And then I asked Illinois coach Lovey Smith about it uh, and the possibility of playing a team that had players who actively had COVID, a contagious virus right now. Here's what Lovey Smith uh, told me this morning. Good morning, Lovey. Got to ask, um, team still clean with, with all this after Wisconsin? Yeah, our, our team is clean. So, um, as you can see, we're kind of hunkered down in the bunker, trying to uh, – we, we have a protocol in place that we follow uh, daily. Assume everybody else is doing the same thing. Um, but I know things can change. I know there's an outbreak all over the country right now. But, um, but right now for our football team, uh, not much has changed. I, I know you got to con, uh, control what you can control, but when, when you hear about this at Wisconsin, is this um, just how do you feel about it when you got two teams playing each other? I mean, I don't, I, I can't spend much time, you know, on that. When Jeremy, when we go and play a team, we assume, you know, we, I mean, that both teams are clean. Uh, that's what you have to assume. And we control ours and, um, 
So that's about that's how we look at it. Uh, we assume is the reason why we played a Big Ten only schedule. We kind of trust what everybody's doing. So I feel comfortable with that. Does that mean that we're not going to have positive tests that pop up? No. I mean, that's that's society right now. That's what's happening in this in this in our country and in the world. So but we're just making sure at the University of Illinois that our guys follow the proper protocol and to, which, which will give us the chance to play football games this year. Of course, all of this is as of Wednesday morning. You don't know if anything could change, as Lovey said, over the next couple of days, but just something to keep your eye out for uh, with Illinois playing this team. And I've seen all the jokes that Illinois didn't get near these guys, but they were. I mean, they were next to offensive linemen, defensive linemen. They were around Graham Mertz, sacks, and things like that. Now, was it enough to catch this virus? Possibly not. So that's what you hope, uh, is that Illinois stays healthy through this, most of all, but also stays healthy enough and uh without five or six players that have it that would test positive that would potentially cancel a game on uh, Saturday against Purdue, their home opener. On this podcast this week, we will chat uh, to a Purdue expert, Tom Deanhart, uh, formerly BTN.com, formerly um, of Rivals.com, a national writer. He's now at the Purdue site, great site, Golden Black uh, Illustrated. They do such a fantastic job. Uh, Tom's going to join us to break down Purdue and that potential matchup. But I wanted to catch up with my guy. I kind of miss catching up with him every week on radio. Uh, But I wanted to catch up with him because I know he was fired up. And that's one of the first things he told me uh, as I talked to him this week about Illinois' disappointing, uh, atrocious 45-7 loss at Wisconsin and what he gleaned from it, what it means moving forward in the season where we have raised expectations. Jay Lehman, Big Ten Network, Illini All-American linebacker. Uh, he's as good as it gets at breaking down this thing, and uh, he was pretty pretty fired up uh, about Illinois and its showing, as I think everybody should be, including everybody in that program. Uh, you know, Rod Smith this week, I know – People aren't going to like whatever he said, but he said it's it's completely unacceptable. Lovey Smith said, I, th- I thought we were further along than that. So now it's a gut check of how they react and really what is a, a very big measuring stick game on Saturday, not only for Illinois this season, uh, as they're looking at possibly 0-2 to start with Minnesota coming to town, but this is a Purdue program that you guys have kind of both been at the bottom of the Big Ten West the last couple of years. Now, can you prove that you're better than them? You beat them last year. Can you do it? Can you beat them back to back for the first time since 2002 and kind of show that, hey, you know, Jeff Brom, good first couple of years, transfers, all that. He's got some good talent, but we're a better football team. Uh, but Purdue beat Iowa first week, and I don't think Iowa was nearly as good as last year. Uh, but Purdue found a way to win that football game, and they have some really good weapons. They have a couple future NFL players, including uh, defensive end George Karloftis, who's great, David Bell, reigning Big Ten freshman of the year, who's great. We'll see if Rondale Moore plays. Not sure we're expecting that at this point, but we'll see. Jeff Brown's been pretty cryptic about that and he seems healthy enough to play uh we just don't know exactly what's going on with rondale but obviously purdue is a worthy opponent and one that illinois is now seven point home underdogs to coming into this game so coming up next let's talk to jay layman about what concerned him most out of all the things that concerned you in that wisconsin loss and what illinois needs to do to bounce back against purdue jay layman big 10 network alani great joins us next on the alani inquirer podcast 
Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. What's the truth from you? Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, plus live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast, and glad to have with us Jay Lehman, Illini linebacker, great, and of course Big Ten Network. Uh, and Jay, we we got to recap what was uh, an atrocious forty-five to seven loss. But uh, I heard you uttered "Gone Wisconsin" uh, on the pregame to that one. So didn't I want- did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about. I mean, you know, when I really stick my neck out there for Illinois, this is why I'm so fired up. I said, man, this is this is ridiculous. So let's just rewind. Let's just pretend that it's before the game. And, you know, everybody's seeing on Wisconsin how great they are, 23-point, you know, favorite or 20-point, whatever they were. And I'm like, dude, they've lost everybody. Yeah. Like, they've lost a lot of people. So I said, gone, Wisconsin. Um, you know, I got a little hammered for that. That's fine. <laughs> and then, you know, um, I see – People say, is it team speed? Is it what? I, I see tight ends and fullbacks running by our guys. They're not faster than our guys scoring touchdowns left and right. And so that just, I just, I, it's, it's a very tough, tough pill to swallow. When I said gone Wisconsin and they're striking out the band for on Wisconsin, obviously 45 7. Wisconsin's obviously the better football team, Jay, and uh, they they proved that the other night. So how does that happen? How, how does like all this talk about Illinois and a better roster, which I do think it's a better roster than last year, how does that happen? I mean, I think we're all still still scratching our head on how good. I mean, the ineptitude offensively and defensively. Um, let's just call it what it is. We had one of our best players fumble on the second play. We had a quarterback that targeted one receiver two-thirds out of his balls. Um, our best rushing attack were QB runs and or scrambles. We had a fullback, a fullback catch a pass over our best cornerback. Um, all over the place. Let's add uh, – injury to insult with um jake hansen getting hurt right i mean could you draw up a worse start no uh no you could not draw up a worse start. and other than Tariq barnes which as many great plays as he played he, he also i don't think he knew you know that he has to help cover the tight end over the middle mm-hmm. uh on on touchdown passes and whatnot um it's just a disaster. But how does that happen? I don't have a clue, Jeremy. And there is just no excuse. I, I think my biggest concerns still are on the offense, Jay, because I at least saw a defense that could stop the run against Wisconsin, which I, I will take as a as one positive. But um, 
Rod Smith had talked about more weapons this year, but uh, I saw a quarterback that was inaccurate. I saw an offensive line that got owned. Uh, and, and I saw wide receivers and tight ends that uh, either didn't get separation or, you know, weren't used that well. So, what what is your what concerns you most, or uh, what were you surprised by most with the offense's ineptitude? Well, I mean, the lack of targets to the tight end. Number one, I think I, I counted one target to Daniel Barker, maybe two. Um, Luke Ford, I don't think was ever targeted, wasn't in there three fourths of the snaps. I thought we would see a lot of 12 personnel, one you know, one back and, and two tight ends in the game. We, we, we didn't see that. Um, so I think that, number one, surprised me. Our inability to really run the football at all, uh, other than some quarterback run, um, was very disheartening because we've seen Rod run the football uh, well in his time here. Uh, Rod Smith. So um, th- that's disheartening. And I think the biggest question mark for me was the offensive line that was supposed to be so dominant, um, really wasn't that dominant. And I would make the argument that the defensive line for Illinois, which was the biggest question mark, played better than the offensive line. Yeah. Um, so on all the, on all those fronts, you know, Jeremy, we look around the league, I think the most disheartening thing is um, you see what Indiana does. Mm-hmm. You see what Purdue does. You see what Northwestern uh, does. Uh, you, you see what Rutgers does. And um, I think what Illinois just wants progress. I think when we see regression in year five, it's very, very difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that being said, you got to have great quarterback play to win. And we just simply have not had great quarterback play over the years. Bottom line. Yeah, how would you evaluate Brandon um, the other night? I mean, the one thing he's done well in his last three games is he's led the team in rushing, Jay. And I I feel like Rod has adapted his scheme to a pocket passer when we've kind of seen the last three games that Brandon's a a dual-threat quarterback. Um, I'm I'm sick of saying, yes, he's athletic, he's sneaky athletic. No, he's an an athletic runner. Um, I know you want to limit injury, but to me it's almost like I I feel like Rod should just get his Arizona offense and just run it because uh, I think – I don't know what he's – I don't know what the style, I don't know what the identity of this offense is supposed to be right now. Yeah, I don't think we have an identity. We're somewhere in the mix between a pocket passer and, and the Arizona offense. We've unfortunately, you know, I, I guess Rod had, you know, A.J. Was that two years ago we had A.J. Yeah. Bush? Um, and, you know, that was – he, he helped with the run attack. We, that dynamic, we couldn't really throw the ball that well. Um, so, we, again – I'm at the point now where, and I was talking a lot and tell you about this as well. Just after an Illinois loss like that, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, it just scatterbrains you, right? Right. It's like you don't even know where to start because it, 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 it's a testament to the power of of, of narratives and of of coaching narratives, of media narratives. We see that a lot in the political spectrum today. But I mean, even when we're getting up, getting ready for a preseason, right? And we, we have this picture in mind what our team should look like based on all the factors, you know, uh, who's returning, what the season looked like last year. And then when it comes out different, we have this cognitive dissonance of like, well, there, there's something that doesn't match up here. How, how could this happen? Mm-hmm. 
surely we're not that bad and Wisconsin's not that, that good, but maybe that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, and it pains me to say that, uh, but it's, but that, that you are what your results, results are on the field. So defensively, Jay, you mentioned some of that. Um, the bus, especially, I know, I know you mentioned the Hobbs one where he got beat. Um, but the bus in the middle of the field, especially, Derek Smith got benched. Um, you mentioned Tariq Barnes. I, I saw on tape, like he didn't even get to the middle of the field on that Jake Ferguson touchdown. The safeties didn't cover anything there. Right. Um, how does that happen? How correctable are, are those mistakes? I mean, I, I I guess it's correctable. The the biggest thing that you um that I was worried about with a team like Illinois that, that maybe lacks the depth was um, just the speed of the game. When you go from limited contact practice and limited, limited special team reps to, you know, the game speed. Now I personally, from what I saw in person uh, calling a game, um, I actually think not having the fans there has slowed the game down a little bit. Hmm. Um, I think the fans, um, when you're playing in front of a live audience uh, that's in person, I think it gives you a little extra juice. I felt um, stuff happened a little bit slower uh, than, than, than what I'm accustomed to seeing. And maybe because it was the first game and whatnot, and, um, or maybe because I was watching Illinois. I don't know. Uh, but, I, but I saw the same thing with Maryland and Northwestern. Um, and it's not like one team is the other or, or not. Uh, you know, I think everybody's across the board is a little bit like that. Um, now, that that is obviously a, a, a very subjective statement I just made, but it's kind of what my what I feel like. Um, and so I think you worry with young guys how fast the game's going and whatnot, and uh, sometimes you just get in the, in the game and it happens. But a lot of these guys aren't young guys, right? right. A lot of these guys are veteran guys. And so they should know better. And so I'm, I'm a little bit just like, and I think one thing, whether it was just people are slower because of the uh, lack of fans or it, was there a lack of effort? I, I don't, you know, I, I want to see everybody running football. I, I don't know if they've played. I think they've certainly played harder in the past. I don't know if they got discouraged and losing Hanson. I, I just, I don't know. And it's hard to really judge when you get down that far if you're playing hard or not. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that's a question we have to ask is, was the effort there? Jay, how, how difficult? Um, I think you played Missouri every year, your first game. Um, <laughs> I, I know it's not hard to get up for that game, but is, is there something about playing a team like that? I mean, Missouri was great then. Um, Wisconsin's obviously great then where week one can look worse than it is. Or is that kind of the, the show that, Hey, this is who you are, and it's not going to change much. Uh, you know, I think teams in, in, improve can improve a lot throughout the season. Um, I think we've seen that with certain Illinois teams, and so um, you know, I always say past results are not always indicative of future performance, uh, but they give us large hints. I do think it's it's tough to overcome. You know, if we go back to that '07 season when we lost close to Missouri. I think it was like 40 to 34 or something like that. We, we kind of had a shootout with them. And we didn't know how good they were. We didn't know how good we were. But we were in the game, mm-hmm. you know, with a power five appoint, a, opponent. And I think the more time you can get in the game with 
another power five opponent's quality. Um, the more experience you get that you can actually finish a game and you can actually get it done. And so that's why I was really positive on Illinois when they had those four where they won and they were competitive. And even the Michigan game, they, they were competitive at some times last year. But it just seems like regression. And I think when the regression comes out, that's when people start to get really, really frustrated because mm-hmm. they feel like there hasn't been progress. And that's that's pretty devastating. Yeah. How, how does a team overcome that in a week, Jay? Well, it's a lot easier said than done, you know, just to, to flush it and move on because I think there's that stigma there. Um, so the best thing they can do is play lights out against a Purdue team. Mm-hmm. I guess um, that's easier said than done after what Purdue did without Rondell Moore and out there without their head coach calling plays. Um, so I think the next two weeks are going to be big challenges. Um, we're going to find out a lot about Illinois football in the next 10 days. Agreed. We've, we have got two quality Western West division opponents and you know, quite frankly, uh, they're um, coaches that got the job after Lovey Smith. Um, and I would say uh, through much of the 2000s, um, we could say they've had their up and down. They've certainly had their up and down, you know, years. We could say those are uh, equal programs, mm-hmm. you know, Um at least Illinois would like to think they're they're equal. Maybe not in the records the last twenty years, but um, you know we could make an argument. You know Illinois has been to more big game, bowl games than they have, or or whatnot. It doesn't matter. Right. But these are programs that if we're going to consistently go to a bowl, we've got to be uh, competitive with and win our fair share at least, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at le- at least. And so I think this is this is a this is a really telling ten days. In fact. Um, and, and I hate to do hyperbole because we always say this is a huge game and this is a big game. I, I don't know if there's been a 10-day stretch that will be more telling for Illinois football in Lovey Smith's tenure. I, I really don't. I think the next 10 days are a big, big measuring stick for this program. Um, this is a team they beat last year in Purdue. It's a team – uh, in Minnesota that took a step last year and probably doesn't have as many horses, especially on defense mm-hmm. and lost Tyler Johnson, that they're getting, they, I think they get to play at home. Right. Um, so uh, they need to play at Memorial stadium. Yeah. Is that correct? Minnesota? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Both, two, so, both next two, teams are at home, but, but both two teams at home. So uh, against equal programs of coaches that got there later. So I, I just think that's a big measuring stick in people's minds. I yeah. don't know if that's been said a lot in my mind. I think that, um, you know, we'll see what happens. No, I've, I've been saying this Purdue game's a measuring stick all off season, right? I mean, this is the, right. the two bottom teams just a couple of years ago. Purdue gets to a couple of bowls, takes a step back last year. Illinois takes a step forward. Let's see who's better. Uh, it's a couple of years into these uh, tenures. Uh, I, I do want to focus on, on one positive, Jay, and I think that is stopping the run. Uh, now, late in the game, Illinois yeah. was worn out. But Roderick Perry looked great. I think Tariq Barnes came in and showed you that he's a future middle linebacker of this team. That's encouraging for a team that I thought might get run over. That was actually the most surprising thing that I had seen. I mean, I was so concerned about stopping the run that I had floated the idea of 
putting Kendrick Green, uh, you know, <laughs> on defense for a couple snaps and, and Luke Ford at the end on a couple snaps, you know, uh, just to do some spot duty. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we want to do that now, but uh, because I felt like stopping the run, they did that. And, and I will say this, um, when you're playing Wisconsin, what's so difficult uh, from an X and O's perspective is you are geared up to stop the run. And then when they run a play action and you think you're going to hit the fullback on a lead play, instead the fullback slips out to do a pass play while you're playing catch up. You know what I mean? And uh, because you think it's all run, 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 and they slip right past you. The tight end comes up to block you. As a, as a line, linebacker, that's your man. You think he's blocking you, and then he slips right by you to get, it, to get a touchdown. You know, so – that is challenging, and so maybe that's why some of the pass plays are going up. But I was I was very encouraged by the run defense. I do think they got worn out later in, later in the game, but mm-hmm. uh, I think also if the offense would have helped them out some more, they would actually play better. Well, we know the offense just has to be way better, Jay. But what's the key for this defense to contain David Bell? I, I don't know if Rondale is going to play because he wasn't practicing, according to reports. Um, but uh, David Bell and. And this offense put up some points against Iowa. I thought Aiden O'Connell was a, was pretty solid, but he did throw. Um, I watched the game. He threw a lot of passes into some danger territory. Uh, so what do you think is the key for this defense? Well, one, I just think we have to have more contested catches. Um, you know, th- there's a there's a strange stat that a lot of people don't really know how it's counted. Maybe you know how it's counted, but I do. But, you know, passes defended, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily passes broken up. But, uh, you know, a guy is, is, is in the vicinity. We've got too many guys wide open. We need to create contested catches. And we've got the horses to do it with the guys back there. We've got the athleticism to do it and the length to do it back there with Hobbs and Beeson and, and those other guys. So I, I think more contested catches. Um, you know that Brom is going to take shots. Uh, you know that Brom is um, going to make sure he isolates Bell or, or Rondell Moore. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. No one knows if Rondell's playing. I think we, number one, you need to have, uh, contested throws. And number two, we need to get pressure. Yes. Uh, we need to, we need to get pressure on the quarterback, um, pressure on the quarterback. I feel like broken says is the number one determinant of turnovers, uh, because obviously the quarterback fumbles and the quarterback's throwing the football. So if you can get pressure on the quarterback, um, that helps. Now, can we get pressure with four? I think that's yet to be determined. A lot of those routes were um, max protection with uh, Wisconsin, where they where they you know, leave eight or nine in, and they and you know they, they take one or two receivers out and they they throw it to them. You know, um, so I don't know. I know Brom does not like to max protect. He likes to get four or five receivers out and then let his linemen block. And a lot of his a lot of the, the, Kind of one of his reasons is quarterback. He goes through a lot of quarterbacks and they get banged up over the years. Mm-hmm. They haven't done a great job protecting him. There were a lot of empty sets. Um, so, you know, if you can get pressure on O'Connell, it can be a different thing. I don't think O'Connell's a seasoned world beater, right? But I think Graham Mertz was either. So I guess I can be wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Jay, do you, do you kind of do you go more man coverage and bring the blitz? I mean, I know Lovey loves his his cover two, cover three, and quarter. Uh, here's the deal. Whatever you did last game, <laughs> let, let, let's not do it. Right. But here's the thing. If we run man coverage against Jeff Brom, I've seen it all the time. We have to drift up. You, what, what, what you're going to see is, um, crossing routes. Yep. You're going to see bell and you're going to see uh more crossing probably five, six yards, uh, in the middle of the field. 
and they're going to run pick routes, crossing routes, and um, and they just kill you with the crossing routes unless you know how to switch off and, and whatnot. So there is a there is a value to a zone. Uh, I think it's determined on Aiden O'Connell being able to read coverages. Yep. And sometimes Brown signals to himself, so can we disguise stuff uh, to make it think that it's one thing another thing? We have veteran players that should be – you should be able to do that because I don't think Aiden O'Connell – is advanced in, in recognition as, as other people would be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we need to switch it up. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure we have the horses to stay up in man with Bell and Rondell Moore. Yeah. I, I think they'll try to keep everything in front of them and tackle, right? And, and right. take advantage of O'Connell's mistakes. Jay Lehman fired up as he should be because we should hold Lovey Smith to his, uh, you know, his own expectations and standards, right? And that's why uh, this well, week this is, is so Well, this is they've been looking toward, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the year they've been looking toward, and, you know, we look at just, yeah, you got it. I, I can't go on more and more. Yeah. You're going you're, you're, you're to get me too fired up. <laughs> Jay Lehman, you're the goods, man. Thanks. All right. Take care. Great stuff from Jay Lehman, as always. And I think one of the points he really hit on there is that game was so disappointing and it was so unlike anything you expected. Um, you know, at least most of us, right, see a roster that's improved of a team that went six and six last year finished fourth in the big 10 west has fourth year of lovey smith's defense with these players third year with rod smith in this scheme and while you might expect some of these offensive players to take time to get adjusted you expected way better than that and i think we should we should expect better than that but to to see it be inept the offense uh to see the defense especially some some guys who are, are veterans, and, and even though Derek Smith's new to the team, to see him make those kind of egregious errors in coverage after so much time here um, is very concerning. It's very concerning. It just it does mess with your head of, wait, is, that, is this team that? And that's why this week is so important is, all right, you've been talking all offseason about how you're different. Lovey Smith's been talking for a year about how this is his best team. All right, show it. Because Purdue is beatable. They got good players. Um, you know, David Bell is fantastic. If Rondale Moore plays, he's really, really good. George Karloftis is probably going to be a first or second round pick uh, in two years. Okay, so they have good players. They are an improved program. You beat that team last year. Um, you should be able to beat this team at home this year. That's what we should expect at this point. And if you don't and you start 0-2 or you're blown out by a team like Purdue – then we got huge questions, not only about this season, but but for the long-term future. But you also have the chance, if you're Illinois, and I know there's not many positive of you out there right now, you also have the chance to say, oh, that was just one bad game at Wisconsin because we came back and we beat Purdue, right? And then you come against Minnesota next week with a chance to be 2-1, and one, and oh my gosh, Illinois, they could be a surprise team in the Big Ten West, like a lot of people were hoping, and like I thought they could be. So that is still possible. It could just be one bad game. Or they could bleed and show us everything and, and bleed over to this week and and uh, maybe Illinois is the worst team in the Big Ten West yet again. So that's why this week is is so important, even though it's just week two in a season. Uh, Illinois got a tougher schedule, right? Um, you got Minnesota the next week, and Rutgers looks better under Shiano, and I expected that. I expected that to be a more competitive game. Uh, and then you get Nebraska, uh, the week after, which isn't a great team, um, but offensively they have owned you the last couple of years. So it's a big, I don't want to say narrative week, but I think it's, it's a big week for Illinois to prove what it's been talking about all year. And if they do, 
then maybe we'll look at Wisconsin kind of as an outlier and a wake-up call for Illinois. If they lose, then we're wondering, boy, where's this thing headed? As always, appreciate you listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. For the latest on Illinois, you can check out IlliniInquirer.com. This week, we're running 50% off VIP subscriptions. So if you wanted to sign up for a year-long subscription, and boy, we've had a lot of great basketball content, get to know the name Ty Ty Washington, uh, Brian Snow, and Derek Piper with the latest in that recruitment up on the site right now. And, of course, I'll have more leading up to the Illinois-Purdue game and have you covered throughout Saturday about what's happening at Memorial Stadium. As always, I appreciate you subscribing to our podcast as well. If you don't, please subscribe to us wherever you are and uh, give us a review. We appreciate that. helps us out as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.